What is the difference between music and noise? What's the difference between someone singing and someone turning on a machine? You know, there's a, there's a world of difference. And I was thinking about this yesterday. I was thinking about what, what makes the difference in these sounds. Well, you see, when you turn on a machine, it's like noise that's just constantly going. But with music, you have sound and silence. You have the, the notes that come and go in a rhythm and cadence. And it speaks not just to our mind, but to our heart and our soul and puts feelings of, of joy and rapture into our lives. I couldn't imagine a life without music. And as I was thinking about our topic for the day today, I was imagining what is it that makes it special? The title of my message today is A Day of Delight. And yes, I'm going to be talking about the Sabbath. But I hope that by the end of this message, that you will have a deeper and greater appreciation for what the Sabbath can mean for each one of us. Turn with me to the story of creation found in the in your Bible in the very first chapter of the very first book. And we'll be covering a lot of a lot of scripture today, a lot of passages, so I won't be reading this whole story here. You know the story of creation, but I want to, you to contemplate on the beauty, the rapture and the rhythm and the melody of the creation story. I can almost imagine as if God is speaking the world into existence, as if it was a beautiful piece of music, an orchestra, or a symphony. You see, God says in the beginning, the Bible says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. At first there was nothing. There was silence, and there was darkness. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. God created the light, and he went on to create the darkness. He set a division between the light and the darkness on the first day. In the second day, he creates the firmament. He separates, it says, the waters in the heavens from the waters below. He separates the sky from the sea. And on the third day, he creates the land. He separates the water from the land. In three days, he creates the spaces, the materials, so to speak, within which he will then create the world as we see it today. Day one, he creates light and separates it from the darkness. Day four, he fills the heavenly spaces with moving, as it were, almost living heavenly bodies, the sun, the moon, and the stars. On the second day, he created the sky and the seas. And then on the fifth day, he fills the sky and seas with living creatures, with birds flying overhead, and the fish, and yes, Megan, even the sharks that swim in the ocean. The, notice, the, notice the parallels. First and fourth, second and fifth. And then the third day, he creates the land, right? And on the sixth day, he fills the land with the creatures, all of the land animals, and finally, the man and the woman, made in his own image. A beautiful symphony 
And the fascinating thing is, as you find, at the end of each day, you find the phrase repeated over and over again. There was evening and there was morning the first day. There was evening and there was morning the second day, the third day, the fourth day. There was an evening and a morning. God, as it were, woke up in the morning. What am I going to create today? And he speaks something into existence, and then he pauses until the next day. Was it because he couldn't have created everything in one day? Oh, I'm sure he could have. He could have just said, let there be a world, and there would have been a world, all all just like we see it today. But no, he, he, he does a little bit, and then he rests. He does a little bit, and then he rests for six days. But then on the seventh day, we find in Genesis chapter 2, and you know these verses, and on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it, he rested from all his work, which God created and made. Now, why is it that God would have set aside this seventh day as a day of rest? Was it because he had worked so hard that he fell back exhausted and couldn't do another thing, like perhaps we do after a long week of work? No. He has limitless energy, Limitless power. He could have easily gone right on to creating another world on that seventh day. It's not so much because he needed to rest like we need to rest from exhaustion. No, there has to be another reason why he created this seventh day. And, and it's, it's telling that it says over and over and over in this passage, how many times, how many ways does it say, that God ended his work, that's one. He rested on the seventh day from all his work. And then the next verse, that's, okay, that's two. And then the next verse, he blessed the seventh day, that's three, and sanctified it. And then it repeats, because in it he had rested from all his work, which he had created and made. At least five different ways in these two verses that it indicates how and why God stopped and ceased and rested. Imagine with me, if you will, the beauty of this first Sabbath. God and Adam and Eve. Before there was ever sin, before sin ever entered the world, God rested. Not because he was tired, but because he wanted a time to commune with the people he had just created. Jesus tells us in Mark 2 and verse 27, the Sabbath was made for man. The Sabbath was made for man, he says, and not man for the Sabbath. Some people mistakenly think that the Sabbath was given to the Jews. Along with all the ceremonial laws, the rites and the ceremonies and sacrifices, but right here, in the creation story, in the Garden of Eden, God gave to us the Sabbath. Now I can see how it might be 
possible to get confused if you just picked up a Strong's Concordance. I like the Strong's Concordance. Don't get me wrong. But if you just pick up the Strong's Concordance and turn over to S and you look for Sabbath and you look and you find the very first verse that mentions the Sabbath is not in Genesis, it's in Exodus. And so it might be easy to think, well, the Sabbath comes in here in Exodus with all the other laws. It's part of the Jewish laws. But I want to propose to you something. Now, I am not a scholar in Greek, and I don't think many of us here are scholars in Greek or Hebrew. Um, the Old Testament, of course, was written in the Hebrew language. Like I say, I can't speak it, uh, but I did a little bit of research into this word here in Genesis chapter 2. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work. That word rested there is translated actually from a Hebrew word that is, I have this turned upside down here, Shavat. Now, does anyone know what the Hebrew word is for Sabbath? Shabbat with a B. Now, if it's transliterated into the English alphabet, there's a little bit difference in spelling. Shavat with a V or Shabbat with a B. It's actually a different form of the same exact word. It's not exactly the same word, but it's a different form of the word. And I printed it out here so you can see. This is the word Sabbath. I'll pass this around if you want. This is the word Sabbath. And this on the other side is the word for rest. And I'll let Jimmy take that up so you can take a look at that. Look at the difference. You can open up the paper if it helps you to see the difference. Look at the difference between these two words. It's almost the same word. You could read this verse as a, if you will, and God ended his work which he had done, and he Sabbathed on the seventh day of the week. That's literally what it says. He Sabbathed on the seventh day of the week. And it's very, very clear from the context that if you just read this verse, that he's talking about this weekly Sabbath. Not as something that was a one-time thing that God did there on the seventh day of creation, but as something that would become a recurring holiday. Not a holiday, but a holy day. Set apart, sanctified for a special, special purpose. We find, again, the next mention of the Sabbath isn't, like I said, until the book of Exodus. But I, I believe that an absence of information or an absence of evidence is not an evidence of absence. What do I mean by that? I mean that I think that we have every reason to believe that the patriarchs, Adam and Eve, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, every one of them kept the seventh day Sabbath in the same way that God sanctified it in the beginning. We don't know anything to the contrary and knowing how much God said here in Genesis chapter 2 about the Sabbath, why would anyone who feared God and worshipped him not keep his seventh day? Do you know what is the next mention of the Sabbath we find in the Bible? Again, it is in this word, this form of the word Shavat. It's the word that's translated in our Bibles as rest. We find it in Exodus chapter 5 and verse 5. Turn with me over to Exodus, if you will, to Exodus chapter 5 and verse 5. 
Now, this is again the story of Moses. We talked a few weeks ago about the story of, of Moses, the call of Moses there in the wilderness. But this is the very next chapter. After Moses goes back to Egypt, he goes in front of Pharaoh and makes a very simple request. Let the people of Israel go and worship me in the wilderness, God says to Pharaoh. And so Moses passes this message on. Exodus chapter 5 and verse 5. Pharaoh said, look, the people of the land are many now and you make them, what's that word? Rest. You make them rest from their labors. That word is Shabbat. You make them Sabbath. You give them a Sabbath from their labors. You see, over the hundreds of years that the children of Israel had labored in slavery in Egypt, they had somehow lost this concept of the Sabbath. Though I believe it had been kept by Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, by all of the patriarchs down through history. Yet, when they went into Egypt, they fell into idolatry and sin. And all of these things that had been understood from the Garden of Eden were now lost. And that's why we have in the book of Moses, not just the Sabbath, but every one of God's laws. Not as new things, but as something that they were rediscovering. And we find, especially in the Ten Commandments, remembering from long long before. Pharaoh's complaint. You make them Sabbath. You make them rest. Turning over to Exodus chapter 16, we find another incredible story regarding the Sabbath. Now this is skipping past all of the, all of the, uh, plagues of Egypt where we've skipped past all that and the children of Israel have gone out into the wilderness. Now they're re- they're, they're liberated and they're marching on to the land of Canaan and they've taken some food with them, but very soon they find that their supplies of food have dwindled and they're now marching through this desert wilderness and they have no food. And they come to Moses complaining and, and you know the story, I won't go into all the story, but God says to them, okay, I'm going to work a miracle every day, every single day, so that you can have food. What kind of food did the children of Israel eat in the wilderness? What did God provide for them? Manna. What is it? <laughs> what is it? These little, little wafers like coriander seed. And so on Sunday morning, before the sun came up, they would go out and gather this manna. Each one just would be able to gather just what they could eat for that day. Now, a few of them tried, even though they were told not to, a few of them tried to save it to the next day. And what happened to it? It got filled with worms. It was, it was spoiled. It was rotten. They had to throw it out. This mo- Sunday morning they gathered it. Monday morning they gathered it. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday they gathered it. And then something strange happened on Friday. When they went out to gather, it's like maybe it was a little thicker on the ground. Or anyway, they started gathering it and they were gathering and they gathered twice as much. It wasn't hard to gather a lot more on Friday. And then Sabbath morning came and there was no manna. A few of them even went out to look for it, and there was none. What was God trying to teach them? A Sabbath. And was there any mistaking which day was the Sabbath? It was the day the manna didn't fall, right? 
Exodus 16, and I like that here at verse 22. And so it was on the sixth day they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for each one. And then verse 23, and he said to them, this is what the Lord has said. Tomorrow is a Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake today and boil what you will boil and lay it up for yourselves. All that remains to be kept until morning. They were commanded, specifically commanded, to make all the preparations necessary on the day before. And that brings me to the question that I have for you this this morning. How do you keep the Sabbath? And yes, we as Seventh-day Adventists are very good at going to the Bible, to God's Word, and telling everyone which day the Sabbath is. How many of you could tell me which day of the week the Sabbath is? I can see your hands, right? But how do we keep the Sabbath? I think it's a subject that is worthy of our study. If it is important to know which day the Sabbath is, it is equally important to know how can we keep the Sabbath holy. And yes, we are even good at looking at what we shouldn't do on the Sabbath. We'll look at that for a minute. But I want us to focus as well on things that we should do on the Sabbath. Of course, uh, from the text, it's very clear that it says that the Sabbath is a day to cease. That word Shabbat actually means, like you saw on the paper there, to cease, to stop, to rest, to stop working. Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11, you know this by heart, commands us not to do any work. Now that work, if you look that up in the concordance, that refers to business, occupation, the daily toil, the things that bring in food, that bring in money, anything of that nature. We can do on the six days of the week, but on the seventh day, that is the day that God has set aside to rest. And you know, it's really a wonderful thing to me that God made this a command he didn't just make it an optional thing. He didn't say, well, if you don't, if you have time, just, I mean, if you don't mind, you could rest. He says, thou shalt rest. He said, you must. That is, and if you look in the book of Exodus time and time and time again, and the stiff punishment there in, in Exodus for not keeping the Sabbath. And I have to think, if God had made it optional, how many of us would pay attention to it? I mean, if I tell you um, next Tuesday, I mean, if you have some time, we can all get together here. How many of you will be here on Tuesday morning? <laughs> I mean, I, I love coming to church. Don't get me wrong, but I've got things to do. But God commanded. So rest, to cease from labor. That's the, the most obvious meaning of it. We find in, in Nehemiah, uh, this was after the children of Israel were coming back from captivity. Nehemiah chapter 13. Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther. Let's see if I can find it here. Nehemiah chapter 13 and verse 15. We find an example of the children of Israel keeping the Sabbath, or rather not keeping the Sabbath. In those days I saw people, this is Nehemiah speaking, I saw people in Judah treading wine presses out on the Sabbath and bringing in sheaves and loading donkeys with wine, grapes, figs, and all kinds of burdens, which they brought into Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. 
and I warned them about the day on which they were selling provisions. Men of Tyre, now these were foreigners, so both Jews and foreigners, men of Tyre there dwelt there also, who brought in fish and all kinds of goods and sold them on the Sabbath to the children of Judah and, and Jerusalem. And I contended with the nobles of Judah and said to them, What evil thing is this that you do by which you profane the Sabbath day? And so it goes on to describe how he ordered the gates of Jerusalem shut and barred to keep the merchants from coming in on the Sabbath and selling their wares on the Sabbath day. And the first time he did that, guess what they did? They all set up camp right around the outside, right by the gate. <laughs> he went out there with the army and he says, look, you don't camp here either, right? Or I'll, I'm going to come and lay hands on you. I think it's clear from the Bible that the Sabbath is not a day for common and ordinary business. Anything that involves buying or selling or commerce or the work that we do as our livelihood, that's best done on the six days of the week, but not on the Sabbath day. Now, of course, to keep the Sabbath involves a whole lot more than just waking up on Saturday morning and saying, well, I guess I can't do any work today. No breakfast for me or the kids. Now, I think in order to really keep the Sabbath, we can't just start on Sabbath morning. We have to start the day before, the week before, and begin to prepare. I, I think about Christmas. How many of you looked forward to Christmas when you were a kid? A few of you? Most of you? <laughs> I know, I always did. And I'm, you know, I'm not into the Santa Claus and everything, but I would like, I always liked to wake up early on Christmas morning and Go And maybe we had a little stocking hanging by the fireplace and look in the stocking and see if there was any little surprises or goodies that someone would have put in there. And I knew there wasn't a Santa Claus, even as a kid. I would just never was in that. But uh, we always like to look in the stockings. But what if I got up on Christmas morning as a kid? What if I got up on Christmas morning and looked and there was no stockings? It was just like any other day. And I was like, Mom, what, isn't it Christmas? I've been... Oh yeah, honey, let's um, yeah, you have some breakfast and we'll go to the store and buy you something for Christmas. What kind of a Christmas would that be? What, what, what? You see, for our worldly holidays, we make preparation. And good and loving parents will prepare days and weeks in advance so that their children can be surprised on Christmas morning. And just the joy of seeing the surprise and, and delight on their faces makes it all worth it. What do we do to prepare for the Sabbath day so that it becomes a special day, something that we can look forward to all week long? You know, in the New Testament, and we find this in all four Gospels in the story of the crucifixion, it speaks of the day that Christ was crucified, and it calls, there's a very special name for that day, the day before the Sabbath. What was the name for that day? Does anyone know? The preparation day. You see, by this time in history, the Jews were so accustomed to keeping the Sabbath that the day, Friday, it didn't have any other name. All the other days of the week were just first day, second day, third day, and then you get to the sixth day, and that was the preparation day. That was the day before the Sabbath. I remember as a kid, Mom, 
on, on Friday, she would always put together something special for Sabbath dinner. Of course, Christina does that now, but, uh, and, uh, she would always put together, maybe it'd be a special Kalo for our lentil roast. And she'd put all the ingredients in the pan and she wouldn't bake it, but she'd put it in the refrigerator. And on Sabbath morning, she would get up and we'd get all ready to go off to church. And the last thing she would do, she'd pull that out of the refrigerator and put it in the oven and set it on the time bake, you know, so that you could, we could come back from church. And just as we came back, there would be Sabbath dinner all ready for us. We just had to set it out. I always loved that. No chores. I mean, who? <laughs> how, how much better can you get, right? Now, that's not to say we never do any anything on the Sabbath. Obviously, there's a certain amount of preparation that always has to be done. But as much as can be done ahead of time, that's how much more special the Sabbath can be. We always, Dad would always fill up the gas tank on the car, the family car, top it off on Friday. And after lunch, if we didn't, unless we had, you know, company over or we had something else going on, after lunch, we would always go somewhere where there was a park or a place to hike and we would go on a walk and we would walk and we would just have a grand, grand time. And I always looked forward to the Sabbath as a kid and still do to this day. In fact, I have to confess, after my family moved to Kentucky when I was 13, we would always invariably look for the nicest and most fun places to walk. Invariably, that would be in McCurry County. And that's when I fell in love with McCurry County, honestly, was on Sabbath afternoons coming to McCurry County week after week after week, sometimes with friends, sometimes with just the family. And we would go to Cumberland Falls and, and Yahoo Falls and Beaver Creek. We went there several times and so many different places to go. And I fell in love with McCurry County and nothing against you all. But then when we moved here, we got to know you all. And I, I just love you all even more. So <laughs> the Sabbath is such a blessing, such a blessing. Now, of course, and I, I guess this is really a sad result anytime humans have Something of God's, we end up corrupting it in one way or another. And by the time of Christ, the Jews in the days of Christ, they kept the Sabbath, but in the wrong way. They had, they had taken the Sabbath observance to such an extreme that they had built up rules and rules and rules and rules as to what you can and cannot do on the Sabbath day. And even to this day, in fact, you will find that Orthodox Jews have many, many rules that they uh, will follow in observing the Sabbath. And just to give you an example, there's only a certain distance that you're allowed to walk on the Sabbath day. And if, if you walk further than that distance, you would be breaking the Sabbath. Now, of course, if your friend lived you know, maybe about a Sabbath day's journey from you and you went to your friend's house. Now, if you ate with your friend, then you'd be all right to come back home. So you could walk that distance again if you ate a meal, right? So the Jews would go and, and literally, and I'm kidding you not, they would go along the road and count off on Friday. They would count off about a Sabbath day's journey and they would lay a little food beside the road. And they'd go another Sabbath day's journey and lay a little more food beside the road. So that on Sabbath, if they wanted to wanted to go that direction... 
Each time they got to a little cache of food, they could pick up some food, eat a little bit, and then go on another Sabbath day's journey. That was their rule. And then they found a way of getting around it. <laughs> if, of course, in the, in the book of Exodus, we read the, the command that God gives in regards to keeping the Sabbath about kindling fire. Don't kindle a fire on the Sabbath. Of course, it's a lot of work to get together wood and kindle a fire and cook food. All that was to be done the day before. And so, of course, by extension, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't turn on a light switch because that would be kindling a fire or push a button or start your car. And so there's, the Jews make a lot of, a, a lot of rules that aren't necessarily in the Bible, but about keeping the Sabbath in a certain way in which it becomes very, very burdensome. It's almost impossible to really keep the Sabbath. And there's no joy in keeping the Sabbath in this way. But if you read the story of Jesus, it's very clear that Jesus kept the Sabbath. But it's equally clear that Jesus disregarded the vast majority of these rules that the Jews had put in to bind up and hedge in the Sabbath day. How did Jesus keep the Sabbath? Jesus never disparaged the Sabbath. He never made any hint that it was going to be done away. But you know, we read in, in Luke chapter 4, verse 16. Let's go over to that passage. Matthew, Mark, Luke chapter 4 and verse 16. So he, speaking of Jesus, so he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. What was Jesus' custom on the Sabbath day? To go to the synagogue. The synagogue was their word for church. Jesus went to church on the Sabbath. Not just once, but it says as his custom was. In other words, that was his habit. That's where you would find Jesus on Sabbath morning. Was at church. And it's very clear that although Jesus never despaired the Sabbath, what did, what do we find him doing most often on the Sabbath? Healing? Helping others? Yes, breaking the Jewish rules on the Sabbath, but in every way honoring the Sabbath and keeping it. Have you ever found yourself wishing on Sabbath afternoon that the sun would just go down a little bit quicker so that you could do what you wanted to do? I'll confess it's happened to me a time or two. Apparently it happened in Bible times too. Turn back to the Old Testament, to the book of Amos, chapter 8 and verse 5. Amos chapter 8 and verse 5. God is, is speaking of these Jews who, in this case, were incredibly greedy were, were taking every opportunity that they could to take advantage of the poor. And saying here in verse Amos 8 and verse 5, When will the new moon be passed that we may sell grain and the Sabbath that we may trade wheat, making the ephah small and the shekel great, falsifying the scales by deceit? In other words, when is the Sabbath going to be gone so we can keep on cheating people? So we can keep on taking advantage of people. So we can keep on about the, this gain, this business that we're trying 
to do. Is that the attitude we need to have about the Sabbath? How soon will it be over? I dare say that if we have that attitude, we bet we need an attitude adjustment, as uh, my parents have said to me before. I need an attitude adjustment. (laughs) Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 58, our scripture reading. Isaiah 58 and verse 13. If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, that is, stop trampling upon the Sabbath. If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable, and shall honor him, not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words, then you shall delight yourself in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth and feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father. The mouth of the Lord has spoken it. My friends, the Sabbath is not a day of burdens. It is not a day to be hedged in. I can't do this or I can't do that. The Sabbath is a day of delight. How can we make the Sabbath a delight? By turning away from our own pursuits. By putting selfishness aside and doing the exact opposite of what these people were doing in the book of Amos, who were trying to take advantage of people in every way that they could. The Sabbath is about putting self aside and helping others. Not doing your own ways, not finding your own pleasure, not speaking your own words. I think about when Christina and I were... um, very first beginning our relationship and uh, we would call and talk on the phone we would we would write letters and write emails back and forth and if i made an appointment with christina and uh, we did phone phone calls a lot more than we did quote unquote dates because we kind of lived on opposite sides of the country <laughs> but if i said christina i'm going to call you at six o'clock i will be looking at my watch And at five minutes or 10 minutes or 20 minutes to six, I might be picking up the phone and trying to call. Hey, are you ready yet? Are you ready yet? And once I got on that phone call, I have to confess, we, we burned up a lot of, a lot of, um, telephone minutes because we would kind of assume, oh yeah, we'll call and talk for a few minutes, maybe an hour or so and five hours later. And (laughs) I think we were on the phone seven hours one time, one night. <laughs> you know, when there's someone that you're in love with, you want to spend time with that person. You want to spend as much time as you can with that person. And isn't it so beautiful that the Sabbath, God made the Sabbath as a date, as it were. I've got a date with you on Friday night, all night long and all day on Saturday. 24 hours, once a week. How good is that? A special date. Now, of course, God is with us always, and we can think, well, of course, he says, lo, I'm with you all the way, even unto the end of the world, and that's, that's good. But, you know, even though Christina and I are married, and we've been married for how many years is it now? <laughs> Nine years this week. <laughs> even though Christina and I are married, we still like to go on dates. 
Because, you know, even when you're married, you still got to do some some things, you know, go to work and do chores and all these other things. And it's easy if you don't make a date to just kind of slide through life and the days turn into the weeks and, yeah, you give each other a short hug and a kiss and goodbye and pretty soon you're like ships passing in the night. If you don't set a time and say, okay, on Tuesday night, we are going to turn off everything and just have a date. And we still do that. Not as often as we should, probably. But we do it on a, on a regular basis. And I love it. And I look forward to having a date with my wife. And is it because that I think that she won't love me if I don't have a date with her? Is, is it because I'm trying to earn some merit? Now, I'll, I'll have three dates with you and then I'm going to ask you for a big favor, okay? <laughs> no. Do we, do we keep the Sabbath to earn merit for salvation? Do we keep the Sabbath because, because God's not going to love us if we don't keep the Sabbath? No, 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 no. We, we know that and we've talked time and time again in this church about the gospel. And what does it mean? But if we love God, if we love Jesus, and that's the, the root of the whole gospel, is it not? If we love him, why wouldn't we spend that time with him? You know, the Sabbath is such a beautiful picture of the gospel. I could go on, but <laughs> I know we're running out of time. The Sabbath is such a beautiful picture of the gospel that the Apostle Paul, in the, in the book of Hebrews, writing to the Jews, could find no better analogy for salvation than to use the seventh-day Sabbath. How do we keep the Sabbath? The Sabbath First and foremost is a day to spend with God, a day of worship. Paul writes in Hebrews, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. As Jesus' custom was, as Paul's custom was, as he exhorted the believers, going to church on Sabbath is one of the best ways that you can keep the Sabbath. Now I know there's Sabbaths that, that you just need to have a Sabbath to rest. And I, I don't understand that. But by and large, this is the place to be on a Sabbath morning in church. When we rest from our labor, we have time to spend in communion with God. Sabbath is for more than that, though, I believe, because as we come apart from our labors, we're able to spend time with those on earth that we love the most. Our spouse, our children, our families. And my parents, growing up, always made Sabbath such a special day that I looked forward to it week after week after week. Even as a young child, I remember there were special books that we would get out only on Sabbath. Little books that we would go through in church. And I would look forward to that because it was special. What are you doing to make the Sabbath special in your own family? And last but not least... The Sabbath is a day of giving. If you look at the example of Jesus' life and ministry, what did Jesus do the most often on the Sabbath day? Was it not miracles of healing, of restoring someone's life, of saving someone from a life of misery? What do we do on Sabbath afternoons? Do we take that time to go and visit someone, and I, I remember 
and I always like to go back to my upbringing. I know not all of us were raised in an Adventist home, but many of us were, and I'm so thankful for my upbringing. As a, even as a young child, going to the nursing home, going to visit a shut-in, and the impression that, that made on my young mind, this is what we do on the Sabbath day, and the joy that would come from seeing the smile on someone else's face. How do we delight in the Sabbath day? If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, says the Lord, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord honorable and shall honor him, not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words. Then you will delight yourself in the Lord. You will have joy the joy that God created for you to have in the Sabbath day. I will cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth and feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father. Loving Father in heaven, thank you for the precious gift that you have given to us. A gift that keeps on coming back to us time and time and time again each week, the gift of your time with us. Help us, Lord, to keep the Sabbath holy, to enter into your presence each and every Sabbath day. Be with us through this week until we meet again on your holy Sabbath day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.